Alright, alright, okay, okay. Where's up, everybody? Zelda Talks Factory. Expensive Facts, like always, of course. Hope you guys are having a great Thursday. It's another beautiful, and I mean beautiful day here in the Bronx. Nice and sunny out. It's going to be nice and sunny this whole weekend. Meet my boy KMGJ. We're going to be playing baseball tomorrow. We're going to be going up to Carvel on Sunday. You know, because Sunday's going to be 91. So it's the perfect day for Carvel. It's going to be fucking packed. It, it's going to be packed as fuck in Carvel on Sunday. Guaranteed. It's the hottest day of the year so far on Sunday. That's what it's going to be. Well, I'll let you guys know what the episode's coming up that uh, tomorrow. Because me and KMDJ are playing baseball in the morning. So in the afternoon, I'll recap game three of round one of the NHL playoffs for my New York Islanders against Pittsburgh Penguins. So that recap will be tomorrow. Uh, Saturday morning, I will make my predictions for the first round of the 2021 NBA playoffs. And then Sunday, I'll recap game four of the, 2020, of, the, of the 2021 NHL playoffs, you know, game four for my New York Islands against the Penguins, and game one of the NBA playoffs, you know, 2021 NBA playoffs, you know, but my Nets take on the Celtics in game one. So I'll recap both those games on Sunday. Most likely Sunday morning, I'll do I don't think I'm going to do it outside. It's going to be hot as fuck. But that's the episodes that are coming up. But this is my AEW Dynamite review. Let's get right into it. So the first match of the night, like I said last night in the Corey Kluber no-hitter episode, I thought the episode of Dynamite was good. I watched the whole thing. I rewatched it, you know, this morning. It was great, you know. Got to rewatch it, man. You, know, you got to do that. When it comes to AEW, you got to rewatch, man. Love it. But the first match of the night was Christian Cage versus Matt Seidel. And this is, I believe it is the first time these two went one-on-one against each other. They did a face-off in the Money in the Bank match, the last ever Money in the Bank match at WrestleMania back in 2010, WrestleMania 26. Yeah, WrestleMania 26. It's the first WrestleMania I watched. We did see him in the ring then, but this is the first time we've seen them face off one-on-one. And they put on a good match. It was a pretty, you know, short match. It was like 10, 11 minutes, the match, like between that mark right there. I thought it was good. It was a good match to start off Dynamite. You know, it was pretty decent. You know, Christian Cage, you know, his third match on Dynamite, you know, he's faced off against Frank Kazarian, Powerhouse Hobbs, and outside Seidel. So he has wrestled once a month so far. But we know he is going to be in the Casino Battle Royal. Right now, he is my pick to win. And the winner of the Casino Battle Royal gets a shot at the AEW World title. So right now, he is my pick to win. That could change. I'm going to make my predictions for Double or Nothing, which will be either next Saturday or next Sunday. Most likely next Sunday, the day of the pay-per-view. But yeah, him and Seidel put in a good match. We saw Taz on commentary, you know, because we know we were supposed to get Christian Cage versus Ricky Starks. But Ricky Starks does have a fractured neck and he's out for three months. So I believe he'll be back in either July and August. So he'll be back in the summertime, which is good. Thank God it wasn't, you know, you know, um, that it's not going to be that long of an injury. Thank God he's okay. It's, it's amazing how he finished the match with Hangman and Page with a fractured neck. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> this kid Starks is something that's going to be a future world champion. He's going to be. But yeah, Christian Cage and Seidel put a great match, you know, and Taz fucking saying, you know, talking shit about Christian Cage on commentary. And he was even talking bad about Seidel as well, but he wanted Seidel to beat Christian Cage. He didn't want Christian Cage to get the win. Man, Seidel, though, he's an underrated fucking wrestler. He is fucking underrated as hell. So, how can I say it? Um, He was definitely misused as well, I would say. You know, he did his own, he did his own, you know, little shit back in, like, 
few years ago with the weed and everything, but it is what it is. But I feel like he could have got a nice push in the other company, but it is what it is. You know, he was a nice young star, and then, you know, it's what it is, though. But they put on a good performance, Christian Cage, you know. He's put on, you know, the three matches that he's had in AEW so far have been good. You know, it's a huge test for him. You know, like I say, he's been out of the ring for seven years. He really hasn't missed a beat. He really hasn't. You know, I'm sure it's really hard right there. When you're not in the ring for so long and you're getting back in, it, you know, it's going to take a while to get used to. But Christian Cage has done really good so far. He had a good match with Kazarian, good match with Powerhouse Hobbs, and he had a good match with Seidel, with Matt Seidel, because there's two Seidels. So, got to say Matt, obviously. But they put on a good performance. I thought for a second Matt Seidel was going to win, but I'm like, there's no way Christian Cage is losing yet. There's no way. It's only his third match. He's going into... <laughs> Like I said, he's going to be the favorite to win at double or nothing in the Battle Royal. So he can't lose, even if it's an upset. I mean, you can give Seidel an upset win, but you're not going to do that yet. Christian Cage isn't going to lose just yet. Because I do believe the long-term plan is to do Kenny Omega and Christian Cage at All Out. Or who knows, they might do it They might do when they leave Daly's place. Not, and what I mean by that is they could do one on an episode of Dynamite where it's not in Daly's place. They could do that. I wouldn't mind that. They did John Moxley versus Brian Cage at Fight for the Fallen which is not a pay-per-view. It was a Dynamite special. So they could do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. But I think with Christian Cage, you got to put that match on pay-per-view. It's just it's different with him, to be honest. It's just his. You know what I mean? But we'll see. It was a good match between him and Seidel. Like I said, it was really close. It was a pretty close match, like I said. You know, and Seidel came very close to win. I love the meaty order he did on uh, Christian Cage. That was a pretty cool move right there. And Christian Cage sold it pretty well. You know, I thought Seidel was going to get the win, but Christian Cage, you know, he even paid a little tribute to Edge right there. And he did do the spear when he was in his time in the other company for a little while when Edge retired. His spear on Seidel, and Seidel was fighting back a little bit. And Christian Cage hit the kill switch. One, two, three. Christian Cage gets the W over Matt Seidel. So a good start, and then we saw Taz on commentary, you know, yelling at Christian Cage and yelling at Matt Seidel. You know, Ricky Starks comes out, he comes out in a nice suit. I mean, obviously we know he's not going to wrestle now for a while with due to the fractured neck. So he comes out, you know, cuts a nice promo, and then he calls the boys out. So from behind, Hook, Brian Cage, and Powerhouse Hobbs attack Christian Cage and Matt Seidel. And out comes Hangman and Page. He gives Ricky his beer. Basically, here, hold my beer. So he gets in the ring, and he helps him. You know, he helps him a little bit for the time being. You know, Brian Cage accidentally ran. Or actually, um, or actually, Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs accidentally ran into Brian Cage in one of the corners. So that's really like setting up right there. They're really planting the seeds with you know Team Taz breaking up. Because they might use that next week on Dynamite. Who knows? They could say, like, oh, like you ran into me. What the fuck? Or maybe they know it was an accident, whatever. But then Brian Cage powerbombs Hangman, and that was it right there. And Ricky's, you know, drinking the beer. <laughs> so Team Taz and Strong. Yeah, and it's funny. People, like, you know, say that AEW has too many brawls. I mean, but isn't it great to see brawls, though? Would you rather them fucking throw tomatoes at each other and play hopscotch? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Just, I'm just wondering. Would you rather that? Would that be entertaining? No, I don't think it would be. I think you would be fucking disgusted. I'm just, I'm just saying. Just saying, guys. I mean, come on. 
it is what it is, though. People are going to say whatever. People, people are going to say whatever. I think it's good. But now we get to the next match between the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And this match was actually pretty good, to be honest. I did not expect this match to be good. I really did not expect the match to be that good, in my opinion. I thought it was going to be kind of like a short match, but no, it was good. You know, and Mox and Kingston taking shots at the Acclaim. The Acclaim taking shots at Mox and Kingston. Especially when, like, when Max Cass was doing his rap. Or even before that, like, Anthony Bowens, like, when they did a little promo, Anthony Bowens called Mox the lunatic cringe. I thought they were going to say Dean Ambrose for a second. Like, I'm thinking maybe they're going to say Dean or Ambrose, but I, I guess the other company has the rights to that, so... I guess I couldn't do it. So that's fine. But yeah, Max Cass was talking about, you know, that a Renee Young or Renee Paquette, you know, John Moxley's girl, has been hitting him up on the mentions and want, and want some oral sessions. And I was like, whoa, and oral sessions is Renee's, podca- is, is Renee's podcast. And Anthony's like, whoa, we just want to go on the podcast. <laughs> And then Bowens, you know, he does this thing where he goes, hey, he dumb, and then he gets fucking kicked by Mox and gets the shit kicked out of him. But no, it was a good match. Eddie Kingston looked really good in this match, probably the best that he's looked in a while in AEW because, you know, his recent match has been kind of eh, in my, in my opinion, but I thought he looked pretty good. And Mox looked great. And he came out to the Wild Thing song again, this time not by, not by the, the Trogs, the other version that they use in Major League, that they use in the Major League movies, so... I guess that's going to be Moxley's theme song going forward. I guess maybe he'll be called John the Wild Thing Moxley. I mean, I'm fine with that, to be honest. I think that's pretty cool. Does it really fit Moxley? I mean, I, I, you know, it's going to take a while to get used to it, that theme song. Because I like his um, his other AEW theme song was theme song he started off with, Unscripted Violence. I listen to that, like, every day. It's one of my favorites. So if this is his new theme song going forward, then okay, fine. I'll get used to it. It's going to take a while, but... With uh, the crowds going back to full capacity soon, you know, you're going to hear a whole crowd, chant, you know, doing the whole fucking song. You thought Jericho's theme song fucking got the crowd going. This song get a lot of people going. Definitely will. But it was a good match, like I said, back and forth. And Mox looked great. You know, the acclaim. They did some pretty cool shit. They're going to be future World Tag Team Champions in the future. Maybe not this year, but I think next year they will be. Because they're a hot tag team. You know, you know, they haven't won a lot on Dynamite. I believe they've only won once on Dynamite, and that was against SCU on December 16th last year. That's the only time they've won on Dynamite, I believe. Every other time they've lost. But they're still a young tag team. they got a long way to go. See, that's the thing. I, I can't see people complaining like that. You know, veterans have to beat the young guys. They have to. The young guys will get their wins eventually. That's how it all starts. You can't just push somebody right away. It just doesn't work that way. The acclaim is basically still unknown to, like, you know, the audience right now. To most people. To most, like, casual viewers. They really don't know who they are. But now you're getting to know who they are. And they're very popular now. They're extremely popular. And once, you know, full crowds come to play, they're going to get even more popular. They will. They're a great tag team, you know. Like I said, Max Caster is a great rapper. He does really good. 
you know, it's, it's great that, you know, AEW guys can write and girls can write their own promos and everything. You know, it's not all scripted where it's like, okay, you got to do what I say. Like, no, they write their own shit. Like, the shit that Max Caster says is insane. He does not care. He would have fit very well in the Attitude Era. He definitely would have. With the edginess, you know, that he has and the shit that he says, he would have fit in that era. You know, the things that he says, I'm like, ooh, you better hope, you know, Generation Z is paying attention to this. Because then they're going to be like, whoa, my God, it hurts my feelings. I mean, that's just, you know, how this generation is. I'm part of Generation Z, sadly. But, you know, what are you going to do? Cancel culture. <laughs> Fuck off with that shit. I mean, come on, seriously. But back to the match, you know, Mox and Kingston got the win, you know. Because he claimed tried to cheat. You know, Max Caster, you know, grabbed the chain. Gave it to Bowen, distracted the ref, and the ref found Bryce Rensburg. The referee found the chain that Bowen's had on his fist. And then Max Caster gra- grabs the boom box. He's going to hit Kingston with it, and then Mox grabs from him, and then he hits Caster with it, gets him out of the ring, and then, Bo- and then Bowens gets hit with um, the finisher from Mox and Kingston. One, two, three. John Mox and Eddie Kingston get the W. Good match. Better than I expected, like I said. Much better than I expected. I was pretty surprised. I was really surprised at how good of a match it was. I really was. I seriously was. But now we get to our next segment. After we saw, you know, Jericho backstage with Marvez and Dean Malenko. And, you know, Marvez trying to get the scoop, you know, with Jericho you know, in a circle. Will they accept the stipulation for the stadium stampede match at double or nothing? And Jericho's like... You gotta wait a little while, Marvez. Like, hold on a second. <laughs> but the next segment we had all ego Ethan Page. And the face of the revolution, Scorpio Sky. And they were being interviewed by Tony Schiavone inside the ring. And they both cut really good promos. You know, I didn't know how this duo was gonna work. Because, you know, I, you know, we've known Scorpio Sky for a couple years, and he's great in the ring. He's great on the mic. Ethan Page, I'm st- you know, I'm still learning about him because, you know, I know he's from Impact Wrestling. And he had the whole, like, karate gimmick, and the karate gimmick killed him. And it was, I heard it was terrible. My friend said they did it on a green screen. You could just tell. It was horrible, he said. So I'm like, all right, so... It seems like he's rebounded pretty well in AEW because he cut a really good promo on Darby Allen. We'll get to that in a second. But Scorpio Sky definitely has a vendetta against Sting. You know, he said when he was a child, he, you know, like everybody else, he was a little stinger. He wanted to be like Sting. You know, but he's telling him to step aside. You know, you're not the same man that you used to be. And then Ethan Page, I'll tell Shivani to get out of the ring. I'll finish the interview. And then Ethan Page goes after Darby Allen, says, you know, he's going to be the final nail in his coffin. You know, that was some fire out of Ethan Page. I'm like, all right, wow. I'm starting to like these guys. And I love Ethan Page's theme song, especially Scorpio Sky's theme song as well. They both got banger of theme songs. They definitely do. Especially Ethan Page. You know, and then the lights go out. Here comes Sting. And then Darby Allen from behind attacks Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And Sting gets involved. And Sting, for 62 years old, he moves pretty good. I got to be honest, he's moving pretty good. He's moving a little bit better than he did against um, Team Taz. He moved pretty good right there. I got to give him that. I'm like, all right, wow. Like, he, he's moving like a young man. Like I said, 
Darby Allen and Sting have the relationship of like Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis. Like obviously, you know, Bruce Wayne, you know, Batman and you know, and Terry McGinnis, Batman Beyond. You know what I mean? That's like the relationship I see. It's basically the same age difference, you know, because Bruce Wayne and Batman Beyond, I believe, is like 60-something years old, and Terry McGinnis, I believe, is in his 20s. So it's kind of like I see that relationship right there a little bit. That's what's kind of like. AEW's kind of like Batman Beyond for Sting. That's what it seems like, you know what I mean? That's just how I see it. But except we didn't see, you know, that, that Bruce Wayne go out and fight, obviously. So that's, that's a little bit different, but you know what I mean. But that was pretty good. And then we saw the Dark Order come out as Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, you know, walked off. And Scorpio Sky got put in the Scorpion Deathlock and he was tapping out. And like I said, they walked off and the Dark Order confronted them, but they ran away. So the Dark Order has, they truly do have Sting and Darby Allen's back. So that's pretty cool. And then we saw a really good segment right here from the Pinnacle. MJF, Sean Spears. Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, Wardlow, and Tully Blanchard. And MJF, man, these are reasons why he's one of my favorites. Cut a really good promo on Jericho, you know. Say, oh, yeah, you're third grade humor. Oh, it's so funny. You're so funny, Chris. Did you know that? You know, and just MJF, you know. It, it was just a really good segment. It's like it just rolls right off the tongue for MJF when he talks. You know. Saying this is like not a game right here. You know, we're going to put you away at double nothing. Yeah, you call us the pineapple. Ha, ha, ha. You're so funny. And then we saw Dax Harwood get very passionate. Talking about like Stadium Stampede last year. was like a dog and pony show. Yeah, I wonder who said that. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, last year, I mean, when you look back at the Stadium Stampede match last year, I mean, was it good? I mean, if you like, if you really do love comedy wrestling, then yeah, you would love it. I thought it was okay, to be honest. Did I enjoy it? I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a little bit. But that's when the Inner Circle was doing their comedy, you know, bits a lot. And I, I think they did it because I think they knew, like, the world was going through a lot at the time. And I think they just wanted to make people laugh. You know, I, I don't think they went out there and said, okay, let's just be goofs for no reason. I thought they... Th- I think... What I think is what they thought is probably, like, you know, okay, the world's going through a lot... Nobody knows what's really going on out here. You know, people are afraid. Let's go out there and make the people laugh. That's just what I think. Let's let's be entertaining. And they were. They absolutely were. But like I said, I thought it was decent. You know, I'm not a comedy wrestling guy. But it was decent. You know, I, I get it, though. And then Sean Spears wanted a drink. And the fucking waiter didn't even, like... Or whoever, the server, whatever the fuck... Didn't even give him a drink. And then he fucking puts him on the table and says, I want my drink. And he smashes the bottle until he blanches throws how much of money he threw at the guy. And so that should cover it. But it was a good segment. It really was. It was a good segment. I enjoyed it. But now here's a match that I did not enjoy right here. Hikaru Shida, the AEW Women's World Champion versus... Rebel, and I knew this match was going to be garbage, to be honest. We've seen Rebel in the ring on Dynamite. She's not good at all. She's just not. Like, that's just my opinion. I don't want to, like, criticize her that much because she is pretty funny with Britt Baker, you know. She is, but she's not good. She moves slow. 
You know, she botched a lot in that match with Big Swole back in August. I'm just like, really? Like, she's just shit in the ring. That's just, that's just the truth. Not even like an opinion. I think it's the truth. You know, I just didn't enjoy this match between her and Sheeta. You know, I was like, I knew it was going to be a short match. I knew it was going to go on for a while. I knew it was going to be short. It's going to be okay. It'll be like a, not a squash match, but it'll be short. And it was. Sheeta got her to tap out because she put her in, what they call like the fucking stretch muffler? I was like, what the fuck? Seriously? What the fuck kind of finisher is that called? What the hell? Holy shit. But yeah, Rebel tapped out and Britt Baker attacked Sheeta right away. And then she curb stomped her. Onto the AEW Women's World title belt. I was like, damn. So that was good right there out of Britt Baker. The doctor right there. That was pretty good. You know, but like I said, did I enjoy like this match at all? No. I would never rewatch it. <laughs> like, well, I did rewatch it this morning, obviously. But yeah. I wasn't even paying attention. I wasn't paying attention when the match went on anyway. Because I knew it was going to be short and it wasn't going to be... You know, it wasn't really worth watching. It was just like, okay, yeah, Sheeta's going to win. It's going to be a short match. We know Rebel really can't wrestle. So it's whatever. But then we uh, go back to last week. They showed after uh, Dynamite, Kenny Omega, the the AEW world champion, and Don Callis confronting freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. You know, I got to admit, though, that was a scary moment right there, seeing Orange Cassidy get legit knocked out right there last week on Dynamite. But, you know, it happens all over wrestling. You know, people get hurt. It just happens. It's not just happening in AEW. It happens all over the place. Injuries happen. Look how Pac, who was known as Neville back in 2016, got hurt on Raw in a match with Jericho. And look how Seth Rollins got hurt at a live event against Kane in 2015. It happens. It just happens. It's not just AEW. Like, people try to make it seem like, oh, AEW, all they do is botch and people get hurt. I'm like, really? Like, seriously? See, that's just the thing I have with people. Like, if you don't like AEW, you don't have to watch. You know what I mean? That's just how I feel about it. If you don't like AEW, you don't have to watch. Like, I don't like WWE anymore. I don't watch it. I haven't watched it in two months. Because I don't like it anymore. I believe that sucks. That's just me. But still, yeah, if you don't like something, don't watch. But don't make it seem like, oh, AEW, all they, oh, everybody gets hurt and they botch all the moves. Oh, my God. That doesn't just happen in AEW. It happened, it's happened all over the place. It's happened in Japan. Ring of Honor, TNA, WWE, WCW, ECW, CZW. Anywhere else in the independent scene, injuries fucking happen all over the place. People legit get knocked out all over the place. It just happens. You can't get away from somebody getting knocked out. It's just eventually going to happen. And sometimes eventually somebody's going to get hurt. That's just what happens. It's not just one company. Just saying. That's all I'm saying, guys. Like, you know, you got to be fair with it. That's all I'm trying to say. <sighs> it is what it is. It is what it is, guys. But we saw, you know, Kenny and Don confront Orange Cassidy. And they try to get him out of the match. You know, even if he does get out of this match, he'll still have a guaranteed match against Kenny Omega sometime in the future. And Orange Cassidy, you know, rips up the papers. 
And he's just like, you know, he's basically just like, no. Just fuck off with that shit, basically. So I'm like, all right. So Orange Cassidy's not having it. Which is good. As he should. And they try to give him another paper. And, you know, they're like, oh, just consider it. So they're really trying to get Orange Cassidy out of this match. He didn't say anything. That's his gimmick. He doesn't talk very often. We know that for a fact. That's just his gimmick right there. But next... Next segment right here. We have the Inner Circle. Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, and Ortiz Santana. Still not there. They did say he'll be back next week. This was a really good segment right here. Because they got, they got serious. The Inner Circle... This is what I love about them recently. They have been very serious the last couple months. Because I know I've admitted before, when they were doing their whole comedy shtick, I was kind of like, eh. I was getting kind of like, you know, tired of it after a while. I was like, okay, can we like do something else now, please? You don't have to keep doing comedy. You know, we could do other things. Can we be more, can we be more serious like when they started off? So since then, they have gotten more serious, which is good. Thank God. You know, Ortiz said, like, you know, talk is cheap. And Sammy Guevara said the pinnacle looked like a bunch of dumbass, you know, fishes flopping around. Um, last week, you know, when fucking, when Sammy was spraying them with the water, the bubbly, whatever it was. You know, and Sammy says, as long as we're all here in AEW, this never ends. You know, and Jake Hager said that the pinnacle's trying to be like them. But they're nothing but they're nothing but a bunch of schoolgirl bitches. You know, we're not cowards. You guys are cowards. And then here came the promo god. I know he's the demo god, but he's definitely the promo god. Y2J, the Ayatollah of rock and roll, and my guy, Chris Jericho. So he's still in the brace. You know, his arm, or his elbow, I should say. I, we, I guess it is dislocated. For real, you know. And we know Stadium Stampede, we know it's most likely going to be... Well, it's going to be cinematic like last year. We're not really, like, cinematic, you know? Like, it's not going to be cinematic, but you you guys know what I mean. Or maybe it will be. I do believe Jericho is going to be very limited, though. Like I said, like, you know, they're going to beat him up at the start, and then he'll bounce back at the end. Like, he'll have, like like, a superhero ending, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, they'll take him out to begin with. They'll go after his elbow. They'll just beat the shit out of him, and then he'll come back in the end. But, yeah. That's just what I see. You know, um... Man, he cut a really good promo, Jericho, like always. You know, saying, was it worth it what I did last week? You know, MJF scared my family. He scared me. You know, my head almost hit the, you know, steel, and that would have been the end of Jericho. You know, it's still... Even when people want to say they can say, oh, but Jericho's landing was so soft... Again, what did you want Jericho to land on? Be honest with yourself. What did you want Chris Jericho to land on? Seriously. Like I said, I'm saying again, the camera angle should have been better. It should have been better. Would have made it look a little more realistic. Or a little more like, holy shit, what the fuck was that? Wow. You know what I mean? But still, it is what it is. People are going to criticize it. You know what? I still enjoyed the match. But like, you know, Bully Ray said, I think he said a couple months ago, they'll always remember the ending. No matter what. You know, the devil said that. Bully Ray said that, you know, the devil said, they'll always remember the ending. And that's true. That is true. 
No matter how good the match is, they'll always remember the ending. But, you know, Jericho cut a really good promo, like I said, on the pinnacle and MJF, you know. He said, was it worth it, like, so many times? <laughs> but, you know, you got to be honest. Yeah, like, was it really worth it for Jericho to put himself through that? He said, he'll never be the same again. You know, but Jericho's getting older still, you know, 50 years old. Could still cut great promos, you know. We know his ring work has went down a little bit. You know, it definitely went out a little bit. It has went down a lot. I, w- I would have to admit that, like, 2020, like, Jericho was, was putting on good matches early, but, like, towards the middle and end. Yeah, he was kind of burnt out, you could tell Jericho. He did get out of shape, but it seems like he's dropped a few pounds. You know, I'm not trying to, like, say, like, maybe Jericho was going through something, but maybe he actually was. You know, you never know how these wrestlers are feeling. You know, you know these are professional athletes. You, still, you know, they're still people. They have lives outside of their profession. Maybe something's going on with Jericho. I don't know. Maybe, something, maybe it's something mentally going on with him. Or that was going on with him. Maybe that's why he got out of shape. I don't know. Maybe that's just what it was. But he looks better now. He looks like he's a little bit better shape. He looks a little bit younger now with the beard. So that's actually pretty cool. Like, all right. He looks a little like... He does look like 10 years younger, to be honest. But, yeah. You don't know what's truly going on with somebody. You just don't know. They can put a smile for you anytime they want on TV. But you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, you just don't know. You just really don't know. Everything's professional athletes. All they got it all. They got, they got the money. They got the fame. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. There's still people. But yeah, he cut an amazing promo, like I said. And they gave their answer for the stadium stampede. Their answer is yes. A thousand percent yes. So it is official. At double or nothing, the stadium stampede match. If the inner circle loses, they break up forever. And Jericho said, you know, if we lose, then we don't deserve to be together. But to beat us, you're going to have to kill us. And we're still alive. And Santana's going to come back next week. He's going to show that he's still alive. So there we go. There we go. I think it's going to be more serious, though, because there's more stakes involved right here. They're not going to go with comedy. Especially they know they're going to have full capacity and everything, you know. They're not going to have comedy for this match. They might have a little bit of comedy, but I think they will take it a little more seriously. And the stakes are high for the show because if they lose, they break up. So why are they going to go in there... And be all gimmicky and funny. They're not going to be. They're not They're not at all. It's a whole different thing than it was last year. That's all I'm saying. But can't wait for that. So now, but the next match, though, it was definitely the second best match of the night. Serena D, the NWA Women's World Champion, versus Red Velvet. So it was pretty nice to see Red Velvet get an opportunity. And even before that, we did see Jade Cargill... With Shivani and, you know, and Mark Sterling, who's MJF's lawyer, came up to her saying, you know, I don't want you to work for me. I want to work for you. But Jake Cargo basically told him to just go away and I'll consider it. I do like how they're protecting Jake Cargo. Like she's not wrestling every week. You want to protect her because she's going to be the next big thing in the AEW women's division. She's going to be. Her promos have gotten so much better because at first she really couldn't talk. Like, let's be honest. When she first started off, she couldn't talk at all. But ever since then, she has improved a lot in her promos. She's good in the ring. She's proven that so far. She is good in the ring. Let's see how far she goes. You know. But yeah. But to the NWA Women's World Title match, I thought it was great. Fantastic match. 
it was like more of like a technical wrestling kind of match, which I enjoy. You know, Serena Deeb is that type of wrestler. And she's fucking awesome. That's another waste of talent right there. Serena Deeb, you know. Another waste of talent. Back in the other company. I'm just I'm just stating the facts. I'm just stating the facts. She was wasted over there. A lot of potential she had. And she's used that potential. You know, in other places that she's been. Especially NWA and now in AEW. We know that she's not officially in AEW. Like, so the same for Thunder Rosa. They're not officially in AEW. They're allowed to wrestle in AEW. But they're not... You know, under contract with them, they're just there. You know what I mean? But it's good. It's good for both companies. It's good for NWA. And it's good for AEW too. It's it's just it's it's good. But Red Velvet, you know, she's got a lot of potential. You know, she did recently sign official with AEW, I believe, like a couple months ago. So she's got a lot of potential. She may be a future AEW Women's World Champion. We, we might see a really, really good feud between Red Velvet and Jay Cargill in the future. And they've had, they already had, like, their little feud. It was like a mini feud. I'm saying, like, long-term when it comes to the AEW Women's World Championship. Because you got two very talented young ladies right here in Red Velvet and Jay Cargo. They could have an amazing rivalry going forward in the future when it comes to the AEW Women's World title. I could see money right there in that feud. I think it would be awesome. That's how I feel with it. I believe they could put on a really good feud. But in the future, not like right now. Like I said, they had like a mini feud. You know, went on for a little while. You know what I mean? But I believe they'll have a really good feud like in the future. But yeah. Serena Deeb and Red Velvet put on a really good match. Like I said, second best match of the night. And I fucking enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Like, these two ladies put it all on the line. Serena Deeb was acting pretty heelish in this match. Like, she really went after Red Velvet's leg. Like, she chop-blocked her, and then when she finished her off, she was, like, in the submission hole. She was banging her knee, like, in the ring. Like, just banging it, banging it, banging it. And I was like, damn. Like, she was being pretty heelish right there. I'm like, shit. Like, hey, Serena, fucking, like, relax. Oh, my God. It's like she was trying to break her leg or something. Oh, my God. But she got to tap out and Red Velvet was done. So Serena Deeb retains the NWA Women's World title. I'm like, all right, cool. That was good. That was pretty good right there. But now we get to the next match. Between Anthony Agogo, the governor, versus Austin Gunn. And I kind of knew this was going to be a short match as well. It wasn't going to go on that long. And we did see Cody Rhodes and Arn Anderson at ringside for Austin Gunn, The Factory, you know, QT Marshall, Nick Kamara, and Aaron Solo were there for a go-go. And a go-go, he looked like money. He seriously looked like money. With those body shots on Austin Gunn, Austin Gunn trying to fight back. And he was bleeding internally. I thought a go-go was bleeding. And he was protecting his eye. And apparently... Ogogo's 78% blind in his left eye? Like, really? I actually didn't even know that until Excalibur mentioned it. I'm like, really? Wow, like, okay. Because you can see he's really protecting his face, Ogogo, when Austin Gunn was going after him to start the match. So that's... Wow, I did not even know that. <laughs> you learn something new every day right there. 
But then, yeah, like I said, like it looked like Austin Gill was bleeding internally. So I thought a go-go was bleeding, but no, Austin Gill was bleeding from his mouth. I'm like, oh, shit. And then a go-go throws him up and then, boom, knocks him right out. And Austin Gunn was, no pun intended, but Austin Gunn was done. And Anthony Agogo gets the W. He did grab the American flag after the match, but he just threw it back, well, he threw it behind Cody, and Cody grabbed it. Or you could say caught it, whatever the fuck. And the referees came out. Yeah, I gotta stand. You know, they're trying to protect the match. That's fine. You don't want them getting into it. You just, you know, you never know. You want to protect the match for double or nothing. It's the biggest match of Agogo's career. Listen, I know a lot of people are going to be pissed when Cody wins because Cody is my pick to beat a go-go. I mean, if I'm booking, if I'm Tony Khan, I would book a go-go to win. But I think Cody's going to get the W. And it doesn't it doesn't hurt a go-go. It doesn't. Because Sammy Guevara lost to Matt Hardy twice on pay-per-view. And look at Sammy right now. Sammy's still putting on good matches, and he's still a great fucking talent. And we know that he's going to be a future world champion. So Sammy Guevara's not buried. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But then next, we did see Miro come out. The new TNT champion. Cut a nice promo, you know. He thanked Jesus Christ for strength and his power. And getting the win, you know, last week for the TNT title. And the crowd was chained to, we want Darby. And he was holding the title. like, here's Darby for you. And we know at double or nothing, it will be Miro versus Lance Archer for the TNT title. I'm like, wow, they're actually doing it right away? I, I don't think Miro is going to be a transitional champion. But it's like, I really wanted them to wait for him versus Archer. They could have done Miro versus Archer like in Texas. Because in July, they're going to be in Texas twice. Back-to-back weeks, they're going. They're going to be in uh, Garland and Cedar. Actually, well, in order, it's going to be C- it's going to be Cedar Park and then Garland. So, and Lance Archer's from Texas, so you could have had them face off anytime there, and Archer can win in Texas, can win his hometown. Maybe they'll still do that when, like, Miro beats him at double or nothing, and then Archer wins it in Texas. I mean, I don't know. They probably could do that. You know, Miro's not going to be a transitional champion. I don't. Th- I don't think he's going to be. You know, the way that he looked, the way that he's looked these last few weeks, there's no way. He just can't be a transitional champion. And I hope that he's not. But he cut a great promo, and then Lance Archer comes out. And Lance Archer saying that he's going to make, you know, Miro his Bulgarian bitch. And even before that, you know, he was talking about, like, you know, the first TNT title match was Archer versus Cody. You know, and Archer didn't win that match, obviously. Cody... Won the TNT title, you know, in the first TNT title match. But Archer says he's going to walk out TNT champion. So I'm like, all right. And then, like, Miro was saying, like, oh, you know, why do you need the old man to hold you back? You know, the old man being Jake the Snake Roberts. Why do you need him to hold you back all the time? If he gets close to me, there's gonna be, there's not going to be enough yoga to save you. I was like, oh, shit. That was some shot right there by Miro. Like, Whoa. And then, you know, Miro's saying everybody dies. Everybody does die. We said to Archer, I would insist you dying first. I'm like, sheesh. Thank God they're booking Miro this way. And Miro did say before Archer came out, he will be defending his TNT title next week. And next week's going to be Friday Night Dynamite because due to the NBA playoffs. And that's why it's a good thing. They did announce yesterday that AEW is officially moving to TBS 
in uh, January. Dynamite's officially going to be on TBS. Starting next year in January. And it's a good thing because TBS is more like, you know, more people have the channel TBS. And with TNT, you know, you know, you got the NBA, the NBA playoffs, you know, it interferes with Dynamite. And I'm sure they don't want to keep putting shows on, you know, different, you know, days because they're kind of stuck. They're really stuck with that, to be honest. So going to TBS, they have no problems. You say, what about baseball? Yeah, well, that's in October. And I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. That's not even a problem. So, all right, that's good, though. But next week on Friday Night Dynamite, it'll be at 10 o'clock. Or before that, actually, we should, we should say that at Double or Nothing, Sting will be wrestling his first, his first um, you could say, wrestling match because the match he had at Revolution was cinematic. This is the first time he'll be in the ring in six years when him and Darby Allen team up to face all-ego Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky to face the Revolution. Can't wait for that. And now it's for next week's Dynamite taking place on Friday, which will be at 10 o'clock. So we got Miro versus Dante Martin for the TNT title. We got Hangman Adam Page versus the bad boy Joey Janela. We got All Eagle Ethan Page and the Face Revolution Scorpio Sky versus Evil Uno and uh, Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. Jade Cargill will be doing an open challenge. Cody Rhodes and Anthony Agogo will do their weigh-in. We'll also celebrate the one-year anniversary of Carl Sheeta being the AEW Women's World Champion. We'll also celebrate the Inner Circle. If this is the last time we see the Inner Circle as a whole on Dynamite, which I don't believe we're going to be. I believe they are going to win at double or nothing, and then they'll do a grudge match whenever, probably on Dynamite, I would assume, and that'll be it. That's how they'll end it. And Orange Cassidy will give his answer to Kenny Omega regarding Double or Nothing. And we even did see Packy cut a promo saying, like, you know, how can you contain the bastard? So that was pretty cool. But now we do get to our main event of the evening for the AEW World Tag Team titles. The Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson versus the Varsity Blondes. Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison and Julia Hart was at ringside with them. She's recently joined up with the Varsity Blondes. And I got to say, Pillman and Garrison, they cut a really good promo early on in the night. It was emotional from Brian Pillman Jr. Saying, like, you know, oh, like, he's all, like I'm only in the wrestling business because of my father. And he was like, no, like, that man was the reason why I didn't want to be in professional wrestling. Because all he knew was the dark side of the ring. You know, and the Unbucks are regret bringing up his late father. And Griff Garrison also mentioned he was at a convention. And he was working the Young Bucks merchandise when he was there in 2018. He was in awe of the Young Bucks. He loved being around them. But since he's been in AEW, you know, they're not the same old Young Bucks they used to be. It's all a game. But, you know, they're going to walk out AEW World Tag Team Champions, they say. Great promo. Really good. I was happy these guys got to be in the main event. I really was. And it was an amazing, amazing main event. Pillman Jr., he looked he looked awesome, the best that he's looked. Griff Garrison, he fucking looked great. We know that Griff Garrison, he's going to be a huge star. We know Brian Pillman Jr., he's going to be a huge star. Dare I say, will these two be future world champions? I think in the future, in my opinion, I think Pillman Jr. and Garrison, I think they're going to have an amazing feud. Because we know, we know all great tag teams break up. They're not going to break up now. I believe they are going to win the AEW World Tag Team Championships pretty soon. But I think in years to come, 
they're going to have a legendary feud. That's just how I see it. Because we know Stone Cold and Brian Pillman's father, Brian Pillman Sr., supposed to have a really good feud. But we know that Brian Pillman Sr. was very limited because due to the automobile accident back in, I believe it was 96. So he's very limited. He couldn't, he couldn't go in big matches. I think things would be a little bit different. Because, you know, Griff Garrison, so basically what we're saying is he's like Stone Cold, I guess. You know, I, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he will be. I don't know. I don't think there'll ever be another Stone Cold. <laughs> but still, I could see a legendary feud between these two guys in the future. Like, in five years. Not now, obviously. Just, you know what I mean. But they put on a really good match, these four guys. Put on an amazing match. The Young Bucks doing their heelish tactics. My God. You gotta love to hate these guys. You gotta love to hate them. And towards the end of the match, things were really picking up. And then Matt Jackson had uh, Brian Pillman Jr. in the sharpshooter. And they were spraying that cooling thing in Pillman's eyes. And Garrison got involved. And then Matt Jackson was trying to do it again. And then he sprayed it in Julia Hart's eyes. I'm like, what the fuck? These motherfuckers, man. These are heels right there. They are real fucking heels. Like, people really hate the Umbucks. They're doing a great fucking job. And then again, Pillman Jr. was in the sharpshooter. And then Garrison tried to help that Nick Jackson landed right on Pillman's head. And then Pillman, he just couldn't take it anymore. He tapped out. And that was it. The Young Bucks retained the AEW World Tag Team titles. And then we saw Brandon Cutler and Don Callis get in the ring to celebrate. But lo and behold, here came John Moxley and Andy Kingston to ruin the celebration. They beat the hell out of the Young Bucks. They stole their shoes, stole their socks, or Eddie Kingston did. And shout out to Excalibur for saying Yonkers right there. Eddie Kingston's going back to his Yonkers days, you know, childhood Yonker days, stealing shoes. And JR's like, don't tell me he was a shoe thief. <laughs> oh, that was pretty funny. But now officially announced for double or nothing for the AEW World Tag Team titles. It'll be the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. So now it's officially official. Double or nothing. The first full crowd, the first full capacity pay-per-view crowd since Revolution of 2020. This is going to be fucking awesome. The card is stacked. This is the third annual Double or Nothing. 2019 was awesome. Last year was decent. This year it's gonna fucking be amazing. But alright, guys, I hope and you guys are amazing. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Rest of your day, night, whatever the fuck. I will talk to you guys tomorrow afternoon, recapping game three between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders in the first round of the 2021 Angel Playoffs. Can't wait to hope my Islanders win tonight. I'm fucking ready. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your night, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow afternoon. Talk to you then, guys.